And guess what? I have a very different message for you this morning. <laughs> this really is. <laughs> you, you may doubt that every Sunday morning when I get up there and say that, but uh, it is true. Kind of different this morning. But this is what the Lord gave me. And so this is what I'm going to present to you this morning. And I'm going to be reading Psalm 27. So if you would please turn there. This week, the Lord has given me two very distinct and meaningful dreams. One was last Sunday morning and one was Friday morning and I'm going to share the Friday morning dream with you after we read through this chapter and I think you can see some relevance between the two. And Father, I just ask your presence this morning to dwell upon us as we deliver this message, Lord, and help us to see our need of a savior and our need of you, Lord, as our pathfinder and our leader. In Jesus' name, amen. It's just 14 verses, so it won't take too long to read through this. In this chapter, David was in distress. It says in my Bible that it's a song of distress and that he gives tenfold reasons to have confidence in the Lord. And that's what I want to dwell on this morning. Our confidence is in him. And if I were to take one text out of this chapter, it would be verse 11 that says, lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. So reading, starting verse one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Similar to uh, Psalm 91, where he says he will hide us under the shadow of his wings. He will hide me in his pavilion. Verse five, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle 
sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. <clears throat> when thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto you, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not my, thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. Deliver me not over until the, unto the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait upon the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. So David was in distress, as I said in this. The host of his enemies had set up a camp around him, but because of his faith in God, he prophetically spoke these words, and they became truth in his life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. If you need a decree to stand upon a firm foundation, the Lord is your light and salvation, and my heart shall not fear. And even in war, I will be confident. I appreciate the Lord putting these words in the Bible because we know he is no respecter of persons. He doesn't choose one over the other and say, you will be mightily blessed, but you will not. And so we know no matter what we face, even when the pathway that we're on suddenly changes or the journey becomes uncertain, when the pathway itself becomes rocky and uneven, it is our God who is our source of strength, our light, our vision, and our refuge. In the verses 4 through 6, David says that in this very time of trouble, the Lord would hide us in his pavilion, in that secret place. And you remember in Exodus where God told Moses, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and you can see my glory as I pass by. In that secret place of his tabernacle where we will have fellowship in communion with him, sitting upon the rock where we observe his beauty, as David said. And there we can offer up our sacrifices of joy and sing his praises. But I want to point out here that David had a responsibility to play in this too, because these blessings and these protections didn't just come automatically. 
He said, I earnestly desired, in verse uh, 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord, and I will seek after that, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. We have to put a priority upon the things of the Lord in order to receive these blessings and these protections. He said that he obeyed the Lord's command to seek his face. Verse 8 says, when thou sayest, when the Lord says to David, seek my face, a command, he said, my heart responded and said unto you, O Lord, thy face will I seek. In 2005, the Lord gave me a song called, As I Seek Your Face, and we sang it a few months ago. In verse 11, I'm going to skip down just a little bit. No, I'm sorry, verse 10, I skipped verse 10. Um, I'm going to skip uh, verse 11 and 13 and 14, but in verse 10, he says, the Lord will take me up. And I researched this. What does this mean? He will receive and protect me and draw me to his bosom as a lamb, as the shepherd would pick up the lamb and draw the orphaned baby lamb to himself. And he will not forsake me and I will be his own. You know, some of us have uh, no parents, no no uh, immediate family nearby or at all. But the Lord said, he will take me up. He will be everything that we need. So when there is no one else to turn to, neither father nor mother, and that road suddenly changes, and we're not in control of our circumstances, or even if we're forced off of the safety of that road that we know and are comfortable with, we know he will take us up and he will draw us to him. In verse 11, David prayed that the Lord would teach him his way. What, is it, what does a student have to do to be taught? They have to listen, don't they? They have to be listening and ready and waiting and receiving the instruction that's coming in. And I love the part that says that he would lead him in the plain paths. And I'm gonna come back to verses 13 and 14 in a few minutes, but I'm gonna get into my dream at this point. I wanna just say a few words before I do. On Friday morning, uh, October the 29th, I had this dream. And as I've told you before, I don't really dream very often. And usually if I do have a, a dream, I only remember a couple of little snippets of it. I do not hardly ever remember a whole thing. But the Lord woke me up very early. I, I looked at the clock and I fell back asleep, and within 30 minutes, I'd had this dream and awoken again. So I know that this was from the Lord. Have no doubt in my mind. And I remembered every bit of it. And you may have some thoughts, and if you do, I am more than 
willing to hear your thoughts and what you think this might be indicating. Um, but I believe that we can relate it back to this scripture in Psalm, and that's what we'll do when we get through reading this. I dreamed that I was traveling in my car, the same car that I have now, and there were several other people in the car traveling on this trip with me, but nobody that I can identify, just a couple of people. And we were driving on a very nicely paved road somewhere in a beautiful, green, lush, rolling hills type of area. And we were headed for a specific destination when suddenly without any road signs or any warning of any kind, the road just ahead of me had collapsed. And it was just like a giant pothole in the middle of the road. And I had to make an immediate decision what to do. And there were a couple of pathways to my right. So I took one of those pathways that was immediately to my right. There were men ahead working on that pothole, trying to fix it, and, you know, equipment and things on the road there that they were trying to put back together. So I veered the car onto this road and I realized it was unpaved. It was a dirt road. And then I realized that it went downhill a bit into a rocky creek bed that had about six or so inches of water in it, not deep at all, not dangerous, but definitely had some water in it and big rocks. So it made it very hard for my car to go over these rocks because I couldn't get any traction. It wasn't a road, it was just, you know, this situation. It didn't feel dangerous and no one was hurt or scared, but it was very hard to maneuver the car. And there were oncoming cars towards me in parts of it. And there were, it was narrow in some spots so that we couldn't pass. So one of us would pull over while the other went and then the next one would go. And there were sides to the creek bed, like a bank, that sloped a little bit, but were pretty, pretty straight, and they were too high for me to drive the car out. So I couldn't get out that way either. So we came to one of these narrow areas, and I had stopped the car, and I got out of the car, and I walked over to the car that was coming opposite me, and I said, I don't know what to do. I can't get out of here. I need to get back to the main road, but I can't see how to do that. And I was standing, as I was standing there talking to this man, a cabinet, small little cabinet with a glass door floated by and it had all of my shoes in it and some other personal belongings. And I reached out and I grabbed it so it wouldn't get away. And I held on to this cabinet of my shoes and my personal belongings. So I told the driver what had happened about the road collapsing and that I, I needed to get out of here, but 
I don't know how to get my car out of here. And the man said, here's what you need to do. You need to get over to the bank, leave your car here, and you put your feet on the rocks that are sticking out of the bank and you like a rock wall and you climb up these rocks and you reach up to the top of the bank and you grab the tall green grass and you pull yourself up with your arms as you walk up these rocks sticking out of the bank and you'll get out of here no problem but you can't take your car with you and that's when I woke up. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I, I was climbing up out, out, of the, out of the bank as I woke up. Perhaps there is a, a greater, deeper meaning of this dream. And if, like I said, there are people who are very good at interpreting what dreams mean biblically. And I would be more than happy to, to hear what you would have to say about that. But if you look back at verses 13 and 14 in chapter 27, David said, I would have fainted had I, all, had I not already had the faith to believe that the goodness of the Lord, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In the here and now, in the land of the living, you and I must already believe in and trust in the goodness of the Lord. We can't casually know it, but we must fully believe that the Lord is only good and that all his actions towards his children are motivated by that love. Yes, and finally, verse 14 says the admonishment to wait. This is the hard part. When the waiting gets long and lonely, and even if the pathway that you were on, driving your car confidently and the road looks so beautiful, it collapses right in front of your eyes and you have to make an immediate turn. You have to change course immediately. You find yourself in a completely unfamiliar, rocky place with no way to get out. You can't see how to get back to the main road. And when his goodness seems so distant, so far away, so hard to see, Still, David said, wait, wait, I say, upon the Lord. And I can tell you from my own personal experience that that is the time, the waiting time, that he will reveal to us and remove from us any waits, any undesirable characteristics that he might see in us that he wants to rid us of so that those fruits of the Spirit and those gifts that he's given me that we spoke of briefly last week can become fully developed to reflect him through us. 
So I encourage you as David did to wait on the Lord. You might have to change paths quickly and unexpectedly. You might have to grab hold of roots of, you know, what you were told and what you were raised on and how you believed in the past or, you know, what looks so strong and solid to pull yourself up out of a rocky creek bed. But be of good courage because he will strengthen your heart during the wait. And he is so worth the wait. Will you stand with me? Oh, Jesus. Lord, we know you have a message for us in this word. We know that you give dreams, Lord Jesus, to your children. And God, I pray that you would help us to see and know and understand that even in those times, Lord, when we may try to be driving over a rocky, a rocky creek bed, Lord, that there's no way for us to drive out of, you made a way. You made a provision, Lord, with rocks to stand on and grassy roots to grab hold of to pull ourselves up to you. And encourage us, Lord, during the wait. Encourage us, Lord, and strengthen our hearts that you are only good and that you have only good for us in the land of the living. And we give you praise and glory, Lord, for your grace and your mercy to us. For you are the king of our hearts. And we put you on that throne, Jesus, in your precious name. Go with us, Lord. Encourage hearts this week, Lord. I pray that you would be a, com a comfort, oh God. The Holy Spirit would come and comfort those, Lord, who need comfort who needs your peace, Jesus, for you are our peace. We thank you, Father. We give you praise and glory. Just ask that you would go with us, Lord, and help us to be on the path that you want us to be on, whether it's the one we were comfortable and headed down or it's the one that you have waiting aside for us to grow in, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.